Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. What an interesting challenge. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. We're all here for a long day, and we sit and we walk together. So, I became enamored some time ago of the idea of the Wizard of Oz. I don't know whether you've all seen it at any time in your lives, but um, there was just something about it that drew me and made me think that there could be a parallel between that wonderful myth story and what we're doing here. There are two quotes that show how I see the relationship that this film offers. It's always good to start at the beginning, and in a sense, every breath is a new beginning. So there's no end to beginnings, and there's no end to ends, because when you breathe out, you end. So it's being born and dying in each breath. And the other thing is there's no place like home. And once you're there, there's no reason to go anywhere. Home. So this talk is about going home and being home. So this journey starts at the farm where Dorothy and her little dog Toto are surrounded by her Aunt Em and three male farm workers. And nobody cares about her at all. She's like, you know, a puppy around the house and nobody pays any attention to her. I mean, nobody gives her any love or concern or anything like that. She tries to reach out and nobody's there for her at all. And then, a really nasty woman shows up on a bicycle to take her little dog away because he's done something we don't know anything about. And she's a really nasty-looking person. Anyway, the family does not support little D, and uh, the woman takes the dog and puts it in a basket on her bicycle, and they fly away. But fortunately, the dog escapes and comes back to little D. This is where you see Judy Garland leaning against some straw containers and singing her beautiful song, Over the Rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I've heard of once in a lullaby. Isn't that where we all are? That dream? 
that knowing that this is not it, that somehow we don't get it, even though we're searching, which is not something that everybody is doing. Anyway, considering where they are and the danger to Toto, the two of them set off on a long, lonely, isolated road. And they travel a certain distance, and they come into a man called Mr. Marvel, who somehow gets some information about her and reports that to her, and therefore excites her a lot and feels that she wants to accompany him wherever he, it is that he's going. But then a huge, huge storm begins to arrive, a real tornado. So they're really blown about, uh, and they're, they're trying to go back home where the family has retreated to an underground uh, basement looking for her but not finding her and therefore they're already gone down there into safety and, and little Dee and Toto are just, you know, out there in this incredible wind. Uh, they return to the house and you see them in bed being blown about and you can see this wicked lady on a broomstick going by the window and everything is turning around and spinning in the air. And then suddenly, suddenly she finds herself in a new universe. Now, her original universe is very gray and colorless. She suddenly launched into this enormous universe of brilliant, brilliant color, flowers growing everywhere, and a whole uh, family of people called the Munchkins who are dancing around kind of eternally. They never stop. The good witch appears, a good witch, and gives Dee a sparkling pair of red shoes. And the bad wish shows up also wanting the red shoes, but it's too late. Dorothy already has them. <clears throat> and it was interesting that when I first saw the movie, which was when I was a child and it came out in the late 30s, um, the, the, the witch reminded me of a maid who worked for my aunt and scared the shit out of me. The only difference between the maid and the, and the witch in the, in the story is that she had a green face. But otherwise, they looked identical. So it really scared me, and I think it scared a lot of people, actually. Kids, you know. <laughs> anyway, the bad witch shows up and wants those red shoes, but it's too late. Dorothy already has them. This is an unknown quote. There are moments in life when it is no longer clear whether we dream our dreams or are dreamt by them. Moments when reality presses against us with such intensity, acute and overwhelmingly real, that all we can do is sit on its sharp edge of uncertainty, feet dangling into a dream, 
hoping for clarity and fortitude. Then, on dream-drenched feet, we get back up and march into the uncertainty, then soar over it on the wings of the world with a span of a perspective we called hope. And that's what we're all doing here. It still pervades, I think, our practice. Blackbirds sitting in the dark of night, spread your broken wings and learn to fly. You have always waited for this moment to arrive. Blackbirds sitting in the dark of night, open up your eyes and learn to see. You have always waited for this moment just to be. So fly away, free as a bird, out of the dark and into the light. So now the good witch launches Dee and Toto onto the yellow brick road. And they begin dancing lightly down the road with a particular step that I really kind of liked, <laughs> which I'll display maybe sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> and not long are they on the road when she runs into a scarecrow. And the scarecrow is weeping because he has no brain. So Dee invites him to join her on her journey to find the Wizard of Oz, who apparently sweeps away all suffering, or at least that's the story that's out there. Next, they encounter the Tin Man, who feels that he lacks a heart and readily joins them on the quest. And finally, last but not least, they run into a lion who grieves the fact that he has no courage. And like all of us, feeling that somehow where we are at the moment we are missing something in this life. So together they travel through very difficult, sometimes destructive events, supporting lovingly each other, no matter how extreme the challenges might be. And one of the major challenges is they find themselves in the territory of the bad witch. And she lights a fire and puts the scarecrow into the, into the fire. And Dorothy rushes and gets some water and damps the fire, but also hits the witch by accident, who dissolves into the ground, eliminating fear. Isn't that nice? Magic, magic. But it is magic. What we're doing is magic compared to the average mental state of the world, as we all know it is at the moment. Okay, so th then they go on. And when they arrive in Oz, the master's voice is thunderous, forbidding them to come and see him. And then what happens is that the little dog grabs the curtain open 
And there is this tiny little man speaking into a huge speaker, being revealed for the fake he is. And guess who the man turns out to be? Mr. Marvel, from the earlier time in the story. <laughs> so he's embarrassed and apologetic, and uh, Dee berates him for being such a fake. <laughs> and so in order to you know, sort of calm the atmosphere, he anoints each one of them with uh, a, a medal that describes that they have what they thought they didn't have. So, <laughs> from our Buddhist point of view, Dee and her traveling companions had formed a sangha, a real unit of love, unconditional love for each other, total support for the entire journey. And they moved into their world of who they were, because they always were that, just like us. You always were that. You always have Buddha nature. But how far have we gone from that essential home? That's our home, the center of our true being. So the good witch shows up in order to help them go where they have to go and to help little D go back home. So she says all she has to do is click her red shoes three times and she will be transported back into her home. She gets home and the whole family is transformed. They become the Sangha that was there with her companions. Just an extraordinary transformation from this journey that she took. Of course, the, this journey took about three hours. Don't expect that here. <laughs> this is a timeless process. There's no beginning and no end. So try not to assume that there's arriving. There's no arriving. There's just transitioning. <laughs> Maya Angelou says, we may act sophisticated and worldly, but I believe we feel safest when we go inside ourselves and find home, a place where we belong and that may be the only place where we do. Farini says, you are here not to do anything but to undo all the false beliefs you have about yourself and others. It's an interesting exploration and something that you might enter on this retreat to see when we feel truly who we are and when the discomfort of our conditioning takes hold of our moment. When do you really feel free inside, in your life and its story? A wonderful psychiatrist called Gabor Mate, a Buddhist practitioner who among other explorations has used psychedelics, 
offers a very profound origin for our human condition, or what we call early conditioning for survival. And he says, we give up our authenticity in order to maintain attachment, our first need at birth. We lose connection with gut feelings because our need for love becomes, just love me and I will do anything you want me to be. Just love me here and now. The task that hinders this process is the situation when not accepted intensifies and strengthens all our old patterns. A wonderful example of working with pain in our lives comes from Andre Olensky, who's a wonderful teacher connected with IMS and the, um, the study center. At the age of eight, he suffered with excruciating headaches with no external relief at the time. And he says, I would lie in my bed in the pitch dark and the silence. The slightest sound or hint of light was deadly. Often with a pillow over my head, I remember the feeling of trying to flee and near panic would well up when I discovered there was no place to run and nowhere to hide. My only option was to turn and face the experience, looking more and more closely at its details. I noticed as I got closer and closer to it, the pain would take on a variable texture. Some parts of it were sharp, some dull. I noticed too that when I looked closely enough, it would pulse with the rhythm of my heartbeat. At first, I dreaded the pounding in my head because every surge brought with it a surge of pain. Then I noticed that because it was pulsing, the pain diminished on the backstroke, and then in between the high points, there were moments of less intensive discomfort. I slowly learned to inhabit those spaces to give my greatest attention to the instances of lesser pain. By focusing on these, I found that the surges in between were less intrusive, and I was gradually learning to skip over them and settle down to the softer areas. As my focus became more acute, I would experience a single moment, even for a brief instance, where there was no pain at all. As he continued in this deep process, focusing more and more deeply on the nature of that sweet spot, he continued to say, I was prying open a place of refuge in the middle of a storm. This is such a wonderful teaching about resistance to a hateful situation and the creativity that arises when we can surrender to what is. Words are easy. We all know that. And yet, they are how we convey what we think we know, <laughs> think we know. Mary Oliver in a poem says, the humble bees know where their home is. 
They have memorized every stalk and leaf of the field. They fall from the air exactly the right place. They crawl under soft grasses. They enter the darkness humming. They enter the darkness humming. And humming is a very good practice. You might just experiment sometime. It, the vibrations can be very helpful to the body. And now I'd like to do an experiment. I'm going to sing an old spiritual about going home. And I'd like you all to sit in meditation posture, close your eyes, and go inside. Going home, going home. I, my mind has emptied, but stay home, going home. <clears throat> going home, going home, la 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 quiet like some still day, I am going home. It's not far, just close by, through an open door, work all done, fear laid by, Work, work and fear will be no more. Mother's there expecting me, father's waiting too. Lots of folks gather there, all the friends I knew. Home, home, I'm going home. Once you touch it, it will never be lost. Just one moment. It's always with you, wherever you are. And when you open your eyes, turn your head up and look at the light that's coming in here. We are that. That's also home. And now. 